Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi, and I'll be your host. And in this episode, we're going to talk, we're going to take some questions from our listeners and our viewers sent in through Facebook, Twitter, and through emailing me directly. And we're going to try to answer those to the best of our ability. On our panel, we have Client Services Manager for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Kevin Close. Hi, everyone. <laughs> we have Agent Consultant for Dreams Unlimited Travel, Tracy Heinrichs. Hi, everyone. Back in the production facility, we have Ryan O'Clavin, our associate producer. Hello. And we have our producer, Craig Williams. Hi. That was my tribute to Margaret Carey. Excellent. Oh, your, your tribute? Don't even start. Um, so like I said, we've got some questions we want to answer for you. This is the second part of our question and answer show. Um, got so many great responses. We're probably not going to get to all of them today either. So some of these will go in the vault for the next time we do one of these shows. But if you'd like to continue to ask questions, we'd love to take them. You can send them to me, john at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. And I'll be glad to hang on to all of those. And when we're ready to do another show, we will proceed. So let's start. Uh, our first one for the show is going to be, I have never taken a vacation to any country where I do not speak the language. When going on a guided tour, such as Adventures by Disney, how important is it to have at least a basic understanding of the native language? I know the guides, the adventure guides, are fluent, but when touring small villages and visiting shops or restaurants, do you find locals easy to converse with, or do you need the guide with you all of the time? Kevin? I tell everybody who books an ABD with me to try and learn five to ten words where you're going, of the language where you're traveling. Please, thank you, hello, goodbye, how much is it? These are things, basic things that you should learn. You don't have to be fluent. I would also tell you that for the vast majority of the places you would be traveling, people are going to speak English. And... If they don't aren't fluent in English, they're much more well-versed in English than you are in whatever language they're speaking. Um, we've traveled where I've run into people who knew nothing, and it turns into a game of charades. Uh, I was in Siena, Italy, and I was dealing with a woman who spoke no English, and other than my basic words, how much is it, Quanticosta, and please and thank you and excuse me, I don't speak much Italian. The two of us worked this out until I explained to her that what I was buying for my mom and all of a sudden she heard the word mama and brought relatives out of the back and I got hugged and I was told how good I was for buying something for my mama. You'll do fine. You don't have to have a guide with you. Um, be polite. I would also tell you to be aware of the custom of where you're going. I was told that when I walked into a shop in France, people in France often view the shop that you're entering as an extension of their home and that you as a guest would never enter their home without initiating a greeting. So that I was told if you walk into a store, initiate a greeting and you will find that you get a much different reception than if you just walk in and stand there. I think in the United States, we're, well, we're, we're used to the welcome to Blockbuster thing where everybody else, uh, you know, initiates the greeting. Welcome to Stone Cold. Right. Sometimes you have to step out and you have to be the one to initiate it. I think if you're just friendly and polite, you will get very, very far and get where you want to go. As for conversing, I don't know that that's going to happen, but you'll be able to enjoy what you're doing. There's also uh, sort of a 
basic, you know, uh, politeness is a basic respect for the country you're going to visit is if you take a few minutes to learn these few words, then you're not quote unquote, for those of us in the United States, the ugly American who stands there and says, well, you should speak my language, you know, go there, be immersed in the culture, try to converse with people, try to relate to them on their level. Don't be the person who thinks, well, you should have to speak English to me. I think that's just rude. I sound like a grade school teacher, but a smile gets you a very long way. If you're polite and smile, people want to help you. And sometimes it becomes a game to try and get your point across. I think it's important to know that you're a guest in their country. And if you have that attitude and you're showing effort. So, you know, when we and to add to your words, when we were going to Italy, Chris learned how to order us gelato. He learned my flavor of gelato and the size. So we had all the important words down. Um, We went to Paris, uh, Disneyland Paris. Uh, We were going for our table and she asked our room number and Chris gave it to her in French. And literally he speaks very little French, but we learned French in school. So he has a little bit. So he said it and she goes, oh, Francais. (laughs) He goes, yeah, that's all I had. That's it. I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) But again, it just, it was that effort that was appreciated. Also too, that's the icebreaker. That's the point at which you're not just with someone who's a service person. Now you're with someone you're connecting on a human level and it makes that so much nicer. We're uh, in Italy. We're in Rome and across the street from our hotel, there was a bakery and a they serve gelato and I tried to order us two slices of cake and she went and got four huge styrofoam boxes and I hate to waste stuff like that. So I was trying to explain to her that it was okay to put the gelato on top of the cake. And there comes a point when you have to say to yourself, just let her do what she wants. <laughs> I can move the ice cream later. Otherwise, we were going to have to call in, you know, the foreign embassies and things like that. So finally, it was okay. But you, some you'll be able to get by. I promise you. Yeah, Chris yeah. is really good with languages, and he kind of he figures it out, and he really tries. I'm terrible at it. I don't have the enunciation, but the smile goes a long way, and I try, and I'm respectful. And uh, please and thank you. And everywhere we've been, like. Italy now, France, different places where there's different languages. I find, as you said, just about everywhere you are, um, tourism is is one of their main businesses. So they've learned enough to get by as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, whenever we were uh, traveling in Central Europe this summer, it's trying to be able to communicate uh, with people was one of the most important things for us because Kylie is deathly allergic to shellfish, which isn't that big of a deal in that area, but she's also very deathly allergic to peanuts and tree nuts, and that is used in a lot of uh, recipes in Central Europe. So uh, whenever we were obviously with the guides, it was never an issue at all. They knew about it, um, and they, they always made sure that everything would be okay. But on the meals that we had alone... Uh, you know, we'd, we'd have to try to find places where we could communicate with them. And there was a couple instances where, you know, we had to kind of do like Kevin said. You play the back and forth charades of, and you try to find that common language that both of you understand the same thing. But um, And that was mostly in Czech because I am 
I'm very on the low side of semi-fluent in German. I could understand conversations, but they speak at a different speed than most Americans right. also learn That's these exactly foreign languages. True. So you can go in thinking that you had a conversation uh, with people in college whenever you were learning, and then you see it in the real world, and it's completely different. <laughs> I, um, I've lost you after three words. The other thing you can do is if something is that important, you could have the guides write that on a small card. Exactly, yeah. And, you know— Whatever country you're in, the guide will speak that language as, you know, there's always one there that is from that country or that area. So you could have people write down. Yeah. Overall, it was easy, though. It's fun to actually try and it communicate. Is fun. It really is. I, 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 I do have, like, one little tip because Eli's family doesn't speak English. Um, and I was left with them once. And we found that every <laughs> year. This is an I Love Lucy episode. <laughs> you know, well, we, we actually had fun with this. There's like apps that come out all the time that there's one now where you just set the two languages and I'll say to the phone and then it speaks to her in Spanish and then she would speak to me in Spanish and it would translate it in English. And it's funny because we would say one thing and she kind of knew what I was saying and then she would repeat it like you, we played a game of telephone because the the saying got mangled right, a little bit. But still, there's there's you can. It's like what you said. It's a conversation starter. When you're in a foreign country, you don't always have internet access for. That's uh, true. Rhino's too. I love Lucy episode. <laughs> Just um, if there's something that's life threatening, have your guides write it down for you. Excellent. All right, our next question kind of is along the same vein as that, as along the same travel question. When traveling abroad. Do you get foreign country from your own bank, or do you get it from the ATMs while in the country? Foreign currency. What did I say? Foreign country. Do you get foreign currency from your own bank, or do you get it from the ATMs while in the country? I think this answer can vary. I think it can vary based on your bank. I know in our situation, um, we definitely would pay more to get it from the ATM in the country we're visiting. We would pay service charges and a higher exchange rate as opposed to just getting it from our bank directly prior to traveling. So I think um, in a lot of cases, it's a question for your bank. What are their foreign currency exchange rates? Do the rates change if they're you know, taken from a machine abroad? Um, and it's also a good question for your credit card. Some credit card companies have a foreign exchange markup, mm-hmm. so they will charge a percentage of the exchange on top of what the actual exchange is. So I think it's a question that you want to ask your uh, banking establishment for sure. Absolutely. I have an entirely different answer than Jason. Oh, no, it's true is what she said. You it is true, but I would, have, I would give different advice. Right. I would say yes. However, have, mine's correct. Do the split screen. <laughs> yeah. Count for <laughs> Yeah, we're going to. I would tell you that you should have some of your, uh, some of the local currency in your pocket as you leave the country. Once you get to a foreign country, American currency is gone. You don't use it any longer. It's not valid. And, You might need to take a taxi. You might want to buy a Diet Coke. You might need a bottle of aspirin. You might need any certain number of things. I find that when we travel abroad, John and I watch the exchange rate for the country we're going to. Right now, we're going to Europe twice this summer, and we are watching the euro. Right now, I'm thinking I can get it for about $1.09, which is a very good rate. At least it is now. Um... I would also tell you to avoid currency exchanges in airports, train stations, or bus stations. They're usually a huge ripoff. I would tell you not to exchange currency in your hotel. There will be a fee attached to it. Usually, ATMs give you the, that are a part of banks 
not freestanding ATMs. ATMs that are part of banks usually give you among the best exchange rates, and there will be a small transaction fee. The one thing I would tell you that I would suggest is true, check you with your credit card if you're traveling abroad. First of all, let them know you're traveling abroad and see if they have a foreign transaction fee. If they do, if they do, I would look for a different credit card for your travels. The other thing I would look into is I would want to know that you're guaranteed on purchases that you purchase abroad and are shipped home. That's a big deal. Uh, your credit card is usually the easiest way to pay for things abroad as long as you're paying for big things. They're really terrible if you're going to haggle. You can't haggle with a credit card. But... Um, one of the things that will often be answered is you'll be or asked in certain places you'll be asked if you want your credit card charged in dollars or euros in your home currency or your home currency or the currency where you are in Europe it's mostly euros you have the choice the good news is is that you purchase them in dollars you see what you're paying if you purchase them in euros you will be charged the current rate. And often you'll be charged, in that case, the rate of whatever that establishment chooses to charge you. So they could also have a markup on that exchange. What confuses me, though, is that when I pull money out of the ATM, it's my bank that determines the rate at which they exchange it, not the ATM. So You have to really check with your bank, because one of the things that you said was your bank is charging you a fee for that. No. They shouldn't there, do that. Well, I have user fees are separate, but some banks will charge a transact like a international transaction fee. Yeah. Um, I've never paid that. Yeah. But right. yeah. So, and again, like different bank accounts will have different things. Um, but like when I, if I go and I take out $100 US, it's my Canadian bank that's exchanging that, not the ATM I took it from. Yeah, that's correct. Right. So. But the, the, the local ATM also reserves the right to charge a fee. Right. So as Kevin's saying, so isn't that the same the bank, thing as what, there, aren't we on the same side then? <laughs> I think you're saying the same thing. It's just, I think so too. But I talked about saying about foreign transaction fees through your ATM and I don't pay those. I pay the same. If I use a, my bank, I don't pay a fee. If I walk a block and a half to public, I don't walk a block and a half. If I drive a block and a half to Publix, there's a fee associated with me using their machine. Yeah. That fee I've when paid. I, I'm talking about um, some banks will charge foreign transaction fees. That's separate we have, from exchange rate. Right. So like, I, have a, I have an account in a different bank than our joint account for business. And the account that I have, the bank I have that in, will charge me a, a foreign transaction fee where our joint account right. does not. Right. So and that's the about, difference in some right. banks. Like some banks will charge us, some won't. But as far as the actual exchange rate, not, think, not taking into any that's fees. That's the, the bank where you take your right. money out of. That's where I find that I pay a higher exchange rate hmm. if I pull that money abroad as opposed to getting it from my branch prior to traveling. See, our branch, our bank will do it whatever the exchange rate is at the day you are pulling it out. Right. So there's no variance. You know exactly what you're pulling it out. I do want to go to to credit cards. In my opinion, I don't affiliate it with them. I get nothing for them. American Express, the best card you can have for travel, no foreign transaction fees. Um, all of your purchases are guaranteed. So you have that. You also have a travel protection in there. So I would strongly suggest if you can get an American Express card for your travel. I'm going to jump in here with a different topic. I would suggest that if you're looking for anything high-end or high-priced, that you 
not know what the price is here at the United States that you would pay for it, but then I think you will find it for less usually in Europe. Europe has something called the value-added tax, and I'm going to use Louis Vuitton as an example. I know what the bag or purchase price would be here in the United States. Let's say it's $1,000. I then have to pay tax on top of that $1,000, and we're at 7%. In Europe, you will see the bag listed at a certain price. That price will include the tax, and it will also have the value-added tax. Now, as an American, you're, well, you're able to get that value-added tax back, and it's anywhere from 12 to 16%. So once you take the sales tax out and the value-added tax, you're paying much less for something that you would pay here in the United States. That's true with most high-end purchases. It's not going to be true if you're going to buy a 10-euro T-shirt. But what will happen is if you get if you purchase enough souvenirs while you're in Europe, if you save all of your receipts, you can claim those value-added taxes on your way out of the country. Um, different countries now have made it much easier to get your value-added tax back. Your value-added tax back. Uh, when we were in Ireland, it was as simple as carrying around uh, what looked like a credit card. And every time you made a purchase, they swiped it. And when you got to the airport, you swiped it and the money came back to you. So, you know, countries are out there making an effort now to make that easier for you because they want to stimulate their economy and make sure you purchase stuff. All right, moving on to our next question. It would be great if you would talk about travel insurance. What exactly does it cover? How expensive or cheap is it? Does it just cover things like illness or will it cover, quote, changed my mind? Are there some trips when you definitely would want to have it and others not necessarily? Will it cover problems that occur while on the trip, needing to return home quickly for an emergency, for example? All right, let's get out the actuary tables and let's talk about insurance. Um, okay, so here's the, let me see if I can sort of give the, the real overall quick summary. Travel insurance is like any other insurance you're going to buy in that it is a very personal decision. Um, travel insurance is a policy that covers certain things. Not all insurance is created equal. Not all travel insurance is created equal. And the decision of whether or not to have travel insurance and to look for something that covers something that you're concerned about is really up to you. Um, we know that if you purchase, say, a Disney, uh, Disney Cruise Line, they offer insurance. That is a policy that they have purchased from a third-party travel insurance provider. And that policy will cover certain things. You should really review it and make sure that that is what you want to have covered. Um, some, you ask questions like, is, it, is there something that's just changed my mind? There is something that's called uh, cancel for any reason insurance. You'll pay more. It's a higher premium. But in general, there are certain guidelines associated with whatever insurance you decide to purchase. Now, now it gets really complicated because Disney Cruise Line has a insurance policy that they have that covers certain things. But Adventures by Disney has a completely different yeah, I insurance. think all of the Disney products are using a different insurance right. provider. Royal Caribbean will have something yeah, different. They all will. You really need to try to read through that policy. I'm also going to say something, too. I'm going to say I know that you book with a travel agent for advice and you want them to help you. Because of insurance and the nature of insurance, it's going to be very difficult for us to advise you individually on what insurance would be best for you. 
my overall blanket thing that I go by is that if you've asked me about insurance, I'm going to advise you to take it because I think you have something that you're concerned about. That might be while you're traveling, you might be worried about it. It might give you peace of mind. So, yes, you should have travel insurance if you are concerned about something happening on your and trip. And to piggyback on that, often if it's something that you're concerned about, it may very likely not be covered. <laughs> because mm. if you're already aware of it, you know, then now it's under the pre-existing condition clause. And so it's these questions are so tough to answer on right. insurance. Here at Dreams, we sell insurance um, that is provided by the companies we sell. We don't have an insurance provider that we use outside of that. Um, so, for example, if you book Disney Cruise Line and you wanted insurance, we have the option to add Disney Cruise Line insurance to your cruise vacation. With Disney Cruise Line insurance, they offer uh, the cancel for any reason clause. So basically what that is, is you purchase the insurance, you purchase your cruise, you have to cancel. Um, if you, you then submit a claim to the insurance company, if your claim is denied, then you, we, you would say your claim is denied, Disney Cruise Line gets notified of that, and then Disney Cruise Line issues you a future cruise certificate. And I think at this point, it's 75% of your total non-refundable cruise fare. It's not the whole thing, but 75% of the non-refundable cruise fare, and I think you have a year to use that cruise certificate. So that's kind of where the... Like that's a version of change of mind because technically you could know that your claim's not right. going to be. Right. But you still have to file that claim first. Royal Caribbean does the same thing. That's kind of standard in the cruise line industry um, with Walt Disney World. Most insurance companies or policies don't have change of mind. Or if they do, this is a separate policy you're buying, usually only available at the time when you're making initial deposit. And um, it comes at a pretty high premium. Adventures by Disney has an entirely different insurance policy. If you book an adventure and add and pay for travel insurance within 14 days of your initial deposit, pre-existing conditions are covered. Once you're past the 14 days, you can add travel insurance up until final payment, but pre-existing conditions are not covered. The, the insurance doesn't change in price either. It's the same price before. For the 14 days and the same price after the 14 days. Uh, there's another thing I would suggest strongly. I ha we have no affiliation with this. We just think it's a great website. I would suggest everybody visit insuremytrip.com. This is a clearinghouse where you can contrast and compare many different kinds of insurance, many different carriers, many different policies, and you can see what that would cost and what would be covered. When I'm asked if people should buy travel insurance, as a travel agent, I can tell you, I think you should. However, a lot of times when it gets into, is this covered or this covered, you then have to share personal information. And chances are, by the time we get to that point, we've created some sort of working relationship where you might not want to share your personal medical history with me. So as a travel agent, I tell you that what I will do is I will give you the the toll-free number of the insurance company that we're working with, and then you can call them and ask your questions directly where you could give them your personal information without it being personal. And insurance will give you a policy 
with all of their terms and conditions. And if you call the toll-free number, you can ask some questions. They'll give you some general answers. But you will never get anybody to say what exactly does it cover. Mm. That question will never be answered anywhere. You'll be referred back to the policy, which will give you some legalese and some... Nobody is going to say, if A happens to you, we will cover it. Right. Nobody will say that. Um, it's just not that simple. Um, I don't believe insurance companies, like any insurance, is in the business of paying out. Right. And so I think that, um, you know... To me, I think I've been around the travel industry for a really long time. I think having some kind of a travel insurance policy when you're traveling is very important. Um, and if you look at a cancellation policy, it, it's there's something called trip cancellation and interruption. And I believe the interruption part is probably more important than the cancellation in advance. Exactly. Because the cancellation in advance, those tend to happen rarely. It's not very often that something happens in advance. Right. It's the unexpected stuff that happens during your trip. And it's and again, I'm not saying if something unexpected happens to you, I promise you it's covered. Because, again, back to what I had just said, it doesn't work that way with insurance. But if, you know, I've had clients who they were in Walt Disney World and there were storms back home. And their trip was delayed four, five, six days. They were able to make an insurance claim for their extra expenses because of the extra days that they were here, that's trip interruption. If your trip starts from the time you leave home, so if I'm driving to the airport and I got in a car accident, this is trip interruption. My trip has been interrupted now. So there's, there's the interruption part is probably just as important, if not more important than the cancellation. Um, how expensive or how cheap it is, often that's directly related to the cost of the trip. Exactly. And there's two ways to calculate. The first number they'll use is your non-refundable amount prior to the trip and then the value of the trip. So those are two numbers we used to use a lot um, to calculate how much insurance is. Um, does it cover illness? Usually. Um, but again, insurance is for things that happen unexpectedly. They are emergency, unexpected situations. They rarely will cover, and there are exceptions, but they'll rarely cover something that you're already aware of. So keep that in mind. We talked about the change of mind. Um, as far as trips to definitely cover and not cover, I think it depends on where you're traveling to, to as well. So if you're, you know, I can't think of very few places where I would say don't have some kind of an insurance. And maybe it's your credit card. We have a credit card with that covers um, cancellation and interruption. Right. Um, I think it also depends on where you're coming from. Coming from Canada, medical insurance, travel medical insurance, out of country insurance is very important because we don't have uh, private health care um, and private health care companies like you would here. So if I come to the U.S. and something happens to me, I get an accident or I get sick, my coverage from home isn't going to cover me here. Right. It's for my country. In the, uh, same thing with people in the U.S. You should check your health insurance right. policy because you might be covered. Yeah. You might not. Okay. Homeowner's insurance might cover something, and it might not. I also want to point out, um, too, you said something that uh, I think is important, is that when you buy insurance, people think it's like uh, getting a refund on your credit card. Uh, I've had a problem. I need to cancel. I have insurance. Why don't you just refund this to my credit card? It doesn't work that way. You've actually got to put in a claim. 
and I'm sure we've all dealt with insurance companies and it's kind of a pain in the butt and they have to go through an approval process. You might get denied. So don't look at insurance as in it's a refund policy. You're going to have to put in a claim for that. I see the last line about needing to return home quickly for an emergency. It's very hard to cover that because most of the time emergency is limited to immediate family, mother, father, and their children. As an older child, your parents, that doesn't mean, usually mean Aunt Sally. And this is where you were talking about the, the insure my trip. Um, you want to cu- you want to be aware of the terms and conditions of your policy um, because each policy will be different in what is covered and how it's covered. Another thing to keep in mind, there are certain policies that won't cover you. Say you're on a cruise and you get crazy drunk and you fall down and break your arm. There are some insurance policies that wouldn't cover you for that because they consider it you were engaging in behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you were reckless. Right. So you want to be aware of that if you're going cliff diving. Your insurance may not cover you. I'm pretty sure cliff diving is not insured anywhere. No, it might be. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and one more thing I want to point out, too, with insurance is that you, when you buy insurance from Disney Cruise Line, you're only insuring the thing you've purchased through Disney Cruise Line. Yes. So if you want your air included in your insurance, you have to purchase Disney right. Cruise Line air right. to have that on your policy. Same with Adventures by Disney. Actually, that's not oh, true. Okay. Adventures by Disney policy. It's very different. They're all very different. Adventures by Disney Insurance covers air from your departure destination, your home. Even if you don't buy Adventures by Disney Air. Mm-hmm. As wow. long as you, and it covers air to your arrival destination. It will then cover air from your departure destination back to home. If you deviate from the adventure, because that's what you've insured... At the end of the London-Paris trip, you're going to decide, I'm going to Germany for a couple of days. That no longer covers air. Hmm. It's very complicated. It is complicated. Yeah. I well, will Disney say, World I, as well. Um, it, covers, it covers your air or transportation, even if it's not booked with them. See, it's always, that's the problem I have with insurance, yes. is it, it's the policy exactly, exactly and it's true. crazy. Uh, one good thing to know about the Walt Disney World insurance, in addition to covering um, your airfare, however you booked it, it's seventy-seven fifty per adult now. Um, when you're covering, when you're adults and a children traveling together, the children are free on that policy. Oh, wow. So that is not true with ABD. Yeah, yeah. I, I think World is the only one. And of ABD the group that has does gone that. from a set rate for certain each trip would have a set rate to now it's eight percent of your yeah, adventure. Yeah, Cruise Line does the eight percent as well. Right. Um, just one more thing about Insure My Trip. I have used Insure My Trip for some of our trips, and what I like about that is that I can I can cover every single component of my trip. So if we're doing a multi-leg trip, I can make sure it all in one <laughs> package. They ask me what's the total price, give me all the details. So that's a nice option for that if you have sort of a more complicated trip than just a Disney Cruise or a single ABD. All right, let's move on because we can talk about insurance forever. And not and really that answer would be any fun. questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would make for a great We did really show. good on that one. We committed to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. While on an Adventures by Disney, Disney, <laughs> while on an Adventures by Disney or similar tour, do you find any personal or downtime to relax and do things on your own? I've never done a full tour vacation and always like to shop or eat at small local places. If you find you want something personal, is there time and ability to do these errands? Uh, if you do get chances like this, how do you feel about your safety? Kim? Uh, Adventures by Disney builds what they call OYO time into every trip. 
meaning that you'll do an activity in the morning and they'll tell you the afternoon is free. Uh, some days are very busy. Some days have more OYO time than others. I tell every guest or anyone who asks, you've paid for your entire adventure. If you find that there's something else you would rather do, you do not have to participate in any part of the adventure. Your only requirement is to be where the transportation is going to take you back to the hotel or to another city. I'll give you an example. John and I have done the London and Paris trip twice. In my opinion, there was not enough free time in Paris to do the things we wanted to do. One whole day on the London-Paris trip is devoted to going to Versailles. You have lunch, you ride bikes, and then you come home. I've never been to Versailles. On both trips, I decided to opt out of that day, and we went and did things on our own. Um, there is time. The other thing is, if you needed something personal, um, the guides would help you get whatever you needed. You know, depending on the trip you're on, there's almost always a quote-unquote big city component. So uh, on the Italy trip, you know, there's Rome, Florence, and Venice, where where you stay in Venice is a little bit more rustic. But in Rome, it's a metro, it's a metropolitan city. I mean, we we were in a hotel where we're, everything was available to us. A pharmacy, the pharmacy was just outside. Right? You can get, uh, if you left your iPhone charger at home or something like that, you could pick up things out. So um, IVD will also tell you when you're going to a less busy area. Uh, you go out and stay in Tuscany, and there is not a lot within walking distance. In some places, there's nothing within walking distance. So ABD, the guides will inform you, listen, we're going there, and there will not be an opportunity for you to go out and get things. So they'll tell you, pick up some snacks, pick up some things that you would need, and they would take you someplace where you could get those things before you got to your location. That's not typically the way, but... It depends on where you're traveling. I can't imagine on an African safari that there's, you know, a CVS or a Rite Aid out in the middle of the savanna. Um, so they would warn you in advance. If there was a health issue or something like that, I'm sure your ABD guys would be able to help you get that. But yes, there is on your own time. There is suggestions where you go off on your own. And again, if there's something you decide that I would rather spend my time doing this than what ABD is doing, you're welcome to opt out of any activity, but there's no lowering of the cost. As far as safety, I gotta be honest, in all the places I've been, in all the places we've wandered off on our own, I've never felt unsafe. I agree. The only place I ever felt unsafe was one time we were at, <laughs> one time we were at Universal and we had to do laundry and they didn't have laundry site facilities and we drove off site from Universal to a laundry place. It was very unsafe. Yeah, because you were probably by where Craig lives, which <laughs> is a very bad. Probably, area. Um, and I think safety really comes down to common sense as well. And I think it's the same whether you're at home or whether you're, you know, you're you're going to practice safety. Would you walk down a street in your town or city? In the middle of the night with your wallet out. Right. There are certain things you just take precautions with. You know, you don't flash your money around. You travel with another person. I've never felt unsafe. I agree. All right, we're going to do one more question. Uh, we have a whole bunch more to do, but we're going to save the rest for another show. So our last question for today is going to be, I've heard you all rave about Alani. But for me to get there, it is very expensive between flights, room, meals, etc. How do you justify the cost of an Alani vacation? And when I can go, 
when I can go to Walt Disney World more than once for the same price. Um, Alani's terrific. If you don't go, you're stupid. Uh, (laughs) This question, you could fill in any word for Alani. Um, What about Paris? You can go to Disney World cheaper than you can go to Paris, but then you don't get to see Paris. The the other thing is, too, I mean, when you're talking about an Alani vacation versus a Walt Disney World vacation, having done them both multiple times, um, it's like comparing apples and watermelons. It's so hard to compare. They're just not the same kind of vacation. And so it's completely different. Alani is, first of all, it's Hawaii. And uh, so the environment, it's a different people. And even though it's it's the U.S., still a different culture. It feels very foreign. It does. Very exotic. Um, Alani itself, it's, you could also say, why should I stay at the Grand Floridian if I can stay at the All-Star Movies? Um, you know, it's, it's just, is a luxury vacation your priority? Alani is definitely a, a luxury vacation as far as resort accommodation, um, what they offer. I do think Alani is excellent value for what you pay. There is no doubt it's a lot of money. That is true. Um, you could also go to Hawaii and stay at Motel 6. You could. But you are not going to have the same experience. And it is going to be more than the Motel 6 in Orlando. Right, because it's Hawaii. I, I think no matter what two destinations you can pick, if you're picking a more expensive destination, you have to decide if you see the value in it. I also want to say too, you know, there's a lot of people who want to go to other Disney parks and want to experience everything Disney has to offer. This is really, if you're a Disney fan, this is something you have to see. You have to see Alani. It's just an incredible bit of Imagineering, uh, incredible bit of customer service. So, you know, you're really missing out on quite a bit if you can't, if you decide not to go because you're making other choices. If you're going to Walt Disney World year after year, I think you should try to go. And it's really hard to verbalize with Alani. So, it's uh, so hard. This resort is not a building. It's it's uh, Alani's, I don't even know how to, it's, it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's it's an entity onto itself. Um, it almost feels like Alani itself is a living, breathing thing, and I think I've said that before. Um, it's just completely different, and I until you've experienced thing. it, I would ask the same question. Um, why would you go to W uh, Walt Disney World if you could get a lake a cabin up by the closest lake to your house, and you could go to that cabin three times? Why would you spend the money and go to right. Walt Disney World once? I think it really comes down to people's priorities, what they want out of a vacation, what they enjoy. For me, Alani is relaxing. Walt Disney World is fun and it's exciting, and I love it, and I go often. Um, but it's a different kind of vacation. It's not a relaxing vacation. It's an active vacation. I'm seeing. I'm doing. I'm experiencing. Uh, and there's just there's just no Disney attraction out there as much as I love them. There's nothing that beats sitting at Alani and watching the sunset there and taking in those views. I mean, and you can't say, oh, I've been to a beach. I've been to Cocoa Beach whenever I come down to Florida or it's not the same I've been to Laguna going out to California. It's just it's entirely different. It's, you know, it's one of those things that I might forget everything I've done in Hawaii, but I can picture that first sunset that I saw there. There's a reason Hawaii is the destination it is. Yes. Yeah. And also staying at Alani is different than staying in Waikiki. I've stayed at the Hilton Waikiki village and had that been my only experience with Hawaii, I'm not sure that you'd be going back. Yeah. And so we often ask ourselves that question. What exactly has our heart, Hawaii or Alani? Maybe a little bit of both. But I don't know that, you know, Waikiki Beach, I don't think would keep me coming back the same way that Alani does. 
Agreed. Agreed, agreed. All right. Thank you guys very much. Thank you to everybody who sent in your questions. As I said, if we didn't get your question, we'll most definitely be doing another show, a question and answer show. Uh, as you know, we like to end our show with what we're calling our agent spotlight, where we highlight one of our agents who can't be here in the studio or come and visit us. Uh, this week, we're going to be highlighting Allison Raver. Allison lives in Melbourne, Florida with her husband, 12-year-old daughter, and two Chewinis. <laughs> She started working for Dreams Unlimited Travel in the fall of 2000. You think Chewini is what she calls her husband? <laughs> she started working for Dreams Unlimited Travel in the fall of 2006. For the kids. Allison has been, to, has been to Disney World so many times since she's moved to Florida that she stopped counting. She's gained knowledge of what is good and what is not for children and teens as she's been taking her daughter there since she was an infant. Allison also has been on many cruises. I mean, the seedy side of Walt Disney World. (laughs) What's good and not good for teens. Um, Like the bar, I guess. (laughs) Allison also also has been on many cruises and loves visiting Universal Orlando. She specializes in Walt Disney World, Disney Cruise Line, and Universal Vacations. Um, You can reach Allison at A-L-L-I-S-O-N at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. I just had to do a quick look because... We have a couple of Allisons out there, and someone else spells her name different. But it's Allison at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com if you would like to work with her. Um, that'll do it for our show. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Thank you guys for participating in our question and answer show. We really appreciate it. We hope everybody has a great week, and we hope you have a great vacation. Beep.